This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Thank God they were there. They're always there, the men and women who serve in the United States military. I'm so grateful, I really am, for the incredible diligence and service. Of course, you know, half the time, we don't even know what's going on. The Biden administration has just authorized the Pentagon to send 3,000 reservists to Europe. Now, you don't have to be a military expert to kind of see where we're going here. The order was released by the White House and says that the president determined, now this is coming back from NATO, right? That it is necessary to augment U.S. forces, which the United, uh, the Washington Post has said we have some 80,000 troops and uh, in Europe. And these troops are supposedly on a mission to deter any further Russian aggression. Uh, okay, well, the war in Ukraine just surpassed the 500-day mark. Just telling you the facts. Up to 450 of the troops that were authorized for activation under this order can be pulled from the individual ready reserve. Those are service members who are nearing the end of their enlistment contracts uh, and are no longer required to attend regular drills or, or training or anything of that sort, these authorities will allow the department to better support. This is what the general, Lieutenant General Douglas Sims, who's the director for operations on the joint staff, he said these authorities will enable the department to better support and sustain its enhanced presence and level of operations. He also said the move reaffirms the unwavering support and commitment commitment to the defense of NATO's eastern flank in wake of Russia's illegal and unprovoked war in Ukraine. Okay, if you don't understand that when you unlock the ability um, to call on National Guard or reserve forces to support what they call Operation Atlantic Resolve, and you have them be entitled to the same kind of benefits as their active duty counterparts, there's a cost. Not that I mind paying the military, but this is the kind of stuff that they do in addition to sending tens of billions of dollars in aid to the Ukraine. If we're going to have to go augment the forces there, we need to stop sending money. We really do. And definitely stop sending munitions because we had the president admit rather ridiculously while he was overseas that, uh, you know, we sent cluster bombs to the Ukraine, which happen to be munitions that are banned by more than 100 countries because they're really dangerous to civilians. 
but we had to send that to them because they're running out of ammunition. And the reason they're running out of ammunition is because we can't supply them with any more ammunition. So we sent them cluster bombs. What a, you know, what a travesty against humanity. You know, this from the left, who's always, you know, worrying about climate. But apparently cluster bombs are not a big deal. This is what happens when you have leadership that has absolutely no clue how to, uh, you know, coordinate or activate military action. It's just, it's nightmarish. It really is. And that's why, you know, I honor the men and women who serve because they do it regardless of whether the leadership is doing the right thing or the leadership is doing the wrong thing. And the, all that's left for the rest of us to do is pray. Really. Just pray for the safety and the security of our troops because it's it's really kind of... Um, it's kind of difficult to ascertain why they're doing some of the things that they're doing, what they hope to happen or what they hope uh, will actually do. I mean, do they really believe, because this is my question, do they believe that the Ukrainian forces are going to be able to claw back the territory that's been lost? You know, this, this Atlantic resolve, this operation that already enhanced our posture in Europe, you know, it, it began when Russia annexed the Crimean uh, Peninsula. By the way, who was the president in 2014 when they did that? Oh, that's right. It was the uh, Obama-Biden administration. So now they're going to be able to call on National Guard. I don't know how many of you have relatives in the National Guard. I do. Um, I have relatives also in, in reserve forces who, you know, now they're going to possibly be activated. I, I haven't heard from anybody yet. But, uh, you know, th this, is, this is really getting, getting nerve-wracking for those of us. You know, I, um, recently one of the books that I read was a John Irving book, uh, A Prayer for Owen Meany. And it was interesting because the book is predicated on uh, an experience that took place during the Vietnam War, war era, which I was a part of. You know, I'm, it was my contemporaries. It was the boys and girls in my neighborhood um, who were being sent to Vietnam, and many of whom were coming back in body bags. And there was never a clear articulation to the American people what we were doing there. I mean, fighting communism sounds like what we're doing there, but how exactly, you know, do you plan to win this, this war? And how long are you going to be there? And how many lives are you willing to sacrifice? Um, it was never, never told to the American people. I supported the troops, but I didn't support the war because I didn't understand the war. And I think that's true of many, many, many people. You know, we were not the people who spit on soldiers, for sure. But we were the people who said, like, can you give us uh, an end date? Can you tell us what the ultimate goal is and how many um, Vietnamese have to die before you guys uh, understand that you don't know how to fight a war in the jungles of Vietnam? But, of course, those answers weren't forthcoming. And it rocked the country. Well, the country's about to get rocked again. I can tell you that um, I, I have still have a lot of contact with members of the United States military, and to a person, they are telling me 
that um, it's very unclear what this plan is. But the activation of all these troops, we're not talking about 400, we're not talking about, we're talking about 3,000 reservists that may get activated in a proxy war in Russia, in the Ukraine against Russia. You should be paying attention to this and not picking sides because, you know, I, I admire the fact that some people are positioning themselves against any further action. They believe that. I'm not sure. I mean, if we have a plan and we can help them be victorious and, you know, push back on a superpower in Russia that's gone running amok, tell me the plan. And then I'll tell you if I, you know, if I'm down with it. But don't just keep slipping money and munitions like uh, cluster bombs into the hands of the Ukrainian uh, oligarchs, who, by the way, aren't known to be the most, um, well, shall we say, uh, they're, they're not known to be the most democratic of leaders. And I'll just leave it there. So I'm concerned. And I'm particularly concerned because there seems to be such a lack of interest on the part of most of the media. You know, as they often remind you, and as I'll remind you right now, the war in Vietnam and the sentiment of the American people really turned when Walter Cronkite got involved. And he was one of those news guys who I never knew what his politics were. Didn't know, didn't care. I just heard him read the news. And I thought, hey, he must be telling the truth. But he broke down and said, like, I, I, I don't understand what we're doing. And that was, uh, that was a trigger for a lot of Americans to start paying closer attention. And that's when the media started, you know, showing the photographs of the numbers of body bags coming back. And, and it, was, uh, it was nightmarish. It really was. And it changed the course of not one, but two presidential elections. And I think we should remember that and be mindful of that. I have other things to talk about today. Um, this is the last day that I will be in middays. And I've been in middays for a long time, many, 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 many decades, actually. So um, it's going to be interesting to, to move the show to the 3 o'clock hour, which is considered the afternoon drive time. So um, I'm excited. You know, it seems as though this uh, retirement of mine has... <laughs> never materialized. Instead, it seems to be moving me even deeper and deeper into the mix. And uh, I have to admit that I'm still excited. I still love what I do. And I still believe that I will do a great job. It doesn't matter where you put me. You know, I started out at three o'clock in the morning back in 1991. So trust me, I'm not afraid of hours. So now it's three o'clock in the afternoon, kind of come full circle, haven't I? Just changed the uh, a.m. to p.m., which is much better. P.m. is much better. Anyway, uh, don't forget that if you download the app, the 850 WFTL app, you don't have to complain that you can't hear the show when you're used to hearing the show. Listen to it the next day at noon if that's what you want to do. Uh, I s firmly believe that you should listen live at, eight, at three o'clock starting Monday. Uh, and if you can't listen at three o'clock, then, you know, anytime after five, it'll be up there on the website and it'll be on your app and you can listen right then and there. A beautiful thing. I'm also going to be discontinuing the daily download primarily because not, none of you were really paying much attention to it. So, hey, why should I work so hard? I'll be right back. Uh -huh. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Sometimes, you know, I, I understand that um, my perspective is somewhat unique. Um, because I live in a state where we have a different, you know, the, the way we operate is so different. And even before uh, Governor DeSantis, when we had Governor Rick Scott, we've always been so much more business friendly than most states. Um, and, you know, look, I've been listening to these horrific news stories online, right, about the weather. And my heart breaks for people who live in areas where they're not used to this kind of heat. And they are uh, enduring, you know, power outages and all the rest of it, in particular in the southwest of the United States. But it really bothers me when people in Florida, particularly in South Florida, you know, sit around and uh, now, now if you just recently moved down here like some of my friends, this may seem ridiculously hot to you. But I've been down here for 45, actually 46 years now. And like, this is not, you know, extraordinarily hot to me, nor is it impossible to manage your life in this heat in Florida. I, I say it all the time and, and you've got to admit it, anybody listening to this show, you live in an air conditioned apartment or home for the most part, right? I mean, there are very few people in Florida who have to go without air conditioning all the time. Uh, you get into a car, which, you know, most of our cars have working air conditioning. But at the worst case scenario, if they don't, you open up your windows and you get a breeze, right? And then you go to your office building or you go to your supermarket or you go to your, sh you know, uh, shopping mall and everything is properly air conditioned, right? We're not suffering. You know, this is not like what it's, you know, living in the Amazon jungle or, or living in parts of sub-Saharan Africa where the heat is, um, you know, sweltering and the water's all polluted so you can't even jump in and get cooled off. You know, I was looking, sitting around the pool the other day. I wasn't sitting. I was actually in the pool doing my uh, physical uh, therapy that I made up for myself. And, you know, I'm in there and I'm cool as a cucumber, right? You know, working out. And I'm listening to these people sitting around the pool, uh, you know, talking about, oh, this heat is unbearable, you know, as they then climb into the pool with their little, uh, what do you call those uh, tubular things uh, that help them to float, you know. <laughs> Um, and, the, and they're in there and they're cool as a cucumber. I mean, you're not sweating when you're in the pool. Our pool here is not uh, heated or certainly not heated during this period of time. And they're just complaining and complaining and complaining. And meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, I believe that moving to Florida extends people's life. I really do. I don't think, you know, I know it's lovely to see the change of seasons. And I know, uh, you know, many of you miss the brightly colored leaves that fall in the fall. And, and some of you even claim to miss snow. I don't, you know. 
And when it comes to the changing, you know, the colors changing in the fall, I get to see the changing of the colors of license plates as the snowbirds all come down. So I just, you know, you have to think positive about all these things. I have made the adaptation. I have adjusted to life in South Florida, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, I want to have a second, you know, home somewhere where I can enjoy maybe a little uh, spring and summer somewhere else. I, you know, that sounds like a great idea to me. I'm partial to Kentucky. I got a lot of friends in uh, the Carol North Carolina. I got some friends up there right now. Shout out to Tony and Natalie. Shout out to my friends uh, who are going up next week. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have that ability to go from one place to the other. But leave here and go where? No, not 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 in my not in my lifetime. You know, I this has extended my life. When people meet me and say, you're how old? I say, yeah, well, that's what this humidity will do. You know, you use a lot of uh, cream on your body and you stay away from cold temperatures and you will age better, I'm convinced. So stop complaining, please. And if you don't like it, you know, um, feel free. You know, especially the people who came down here and think they're going to bring their politics with them from places like New York and Chicago. You know, if you don't like it, it's okay. We'll, we won't miss you, you know, if you leave because you certainly are not supposed to be voting the way you voted there. So now we find out, finally, that Tucker Carlson has realized how powerful a media figure he is, and he's creating a new media company. Now, he's not the first person to do this. I mean, obviously, Glenn Beck did it, and now Tucker Carlson is going to do it, or at least he's trying, along with his former college roommate, Neil Patel, who was a an advisor in the White House. Um, he's raising money to start a new media company, and they don't have to build out all the infrastructure because... Twitter exists, and he has been posting regularly on Twitter since, I don't know, two weeks after he departed from Fox News. Now, obviously, the only way this makes money is by subscription, and I can tell you right now that just about everybody I know will subscribe to a media company that Tucker Carlson puts together. And many of us will be looking to work for him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, okay. Subscription services are obviously um, the way to go. But you have to have an enormous audience for that to work. Tucker's got that audience, right? You know, when people say to me, well, Joyce, why don't you just podcast? Okay. Um, I suppose if there was nothing else I could do to get my voice out there, I would just podcast. But um, you have to have in the millions of listeners to make that worthwhile who are willing to subscribe. Just like, uh, you know, Substack. Uh, I started a column on Substack. I'm not a great writer. I kind of let it fall by the wayside, but I'm looking at the people who have done well on Substack. Barry Weiss with the Free Press, uh, Alex Berenson. Um, there's a bunch of people who are doing extraordinarily well with Substack, uh, Jason Whitlock, a lot of people, a lot of people. And I, I, I think that's great. And I think that those are, the, that's the future, right? And whatever Tucker Carlson creates is going to be part of the future. And I don't know how, 
you know, how they're going to raise the money they need to put this company together because you can't do it for nothing. You know, you got to have some some big bucks. Um, I would suggest, of course, that there are some people who should be included in this, like Bill O'Reilly. I mean, these are people who have um, audiences and they've been able to bring their audiences with them to other platforms. Uh, I think if you put together the right combination, it's a winner. Yeah, it definitely will be a winner. And and I think that for all, I, I was listening to somebody yesterday who was talking about, you know, all the buzz, you know, oh, uh, uh, Threads is going to pose a real threat to Twitter. Um, no, it's not. And I'm going to tell you why, because I heard this guy say it, and I really, I embrace it. I wish I knew who it was. It was a guest on, I think, Brian Kilmeade's show in the last hour of his program yesterday. And he said, you, you, know, you know that something is extremely powerful when it becomes the word to describe what it does. I mean, think about this. When I was coming of age when we didn't have the internet and things like that. If you wanted to um, have a document duplicated, you had to copy that, photocopy the document. And we used to say, um, well, get me a Xerox of that. Now, Xerox was just a co one company that put together machines that could make copies. You know, there were other companies but it became like the word for copying things. It's a Xerox, just like, a, you know, give me a Coke became the word for Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is, is Coke. Um, but now you think of that word and you think of one, one brand. Maybe, you know, if you're a Pepsi drinker, which by the way, I don't drink soda, but if I have a choice, I would go with Pepsi because I like more fizz. But, you know, the biggest cola is coke coca-cola no doubt about it that word became synonymous with cola beverages right and twitter is the word that you use when you talk about communicating in that manner and being a, a listener or, or not a listener but a, a viewer of news online you tweet you don't thread you know what are we going to say I sewed, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. Like, is that what the term is? I sewed on the thread or I tweeted on Twitter? I mean, come on. It's, it, you know, if anybody could have tried it, it would be Mark Zuckerberg. But if anybody believes for a moment, and, and by the way, if Twitter became as important as it did because of all the controversy around it, including the most recent controversy about censorship and stuff like that, then you have to have people representing both sides on your platform, right? You have to have conservatives and you have to have liberals. Threads is not going to have any conservatives on it. I can tell you that right now. Much like, unfortunately, Truth Social struggled because the conservatives now feel like, okay, Elon did this for us, we're going to be there liberals aren't there as much anymore and they'll leave they'll go to threads and they'll be talking to themselves unfortunately though will twitter be talking to itself maybe maybe but since fox has gone the way of every other stupid uh, media company and is now predominantly liberal in its viewpoints and i i actually do believe that um well then guess what twitter may emerge as the number one platform 
for conservatives. And if they can figure out how to make it a video platform, a high-profile video platform with a lot of high-profile video creators, guess what? I'm there and I'm a subscriber. And you will be too. I can tell you that right now. Even if you don't think you're going to be. I said, oh, I'll never subscribe to this or that or the other thing. I subscribe to Blaze. I subscribe to Substack. I subscribe to uh, one, two, three, four different people on Substack. You know, Melanie Griffith. I supplied Barry Weiss, Alex Berenson. You know, something I said I would never do. But you know what? Once I discontinued Fox Nation, that, that didn't affect me at all. I had all these other sources that I could go to and I do go to. So believe me, uh, Thread's not going to replace Twitter. It's not even going to put up much of a fight. It will in the initial stages get some attention. But then uh, if they launch a Tucker Carlson high-profile video platform within Twitter, uh, they could dominate. And then everybody's going to be going, oh, Musk was, was, was a genius. We didn't know what he was doing, you know. I don't know about you, but I already am a Twitter Blue subscriber. So whatever they want to do now going forward, they want to make it a living room, uh, you know, screen mirroring for my mobile phone, I'm in. I'm in, in, in. Because I do. I enjoy the uh, counter-programming that, that somebody like Tucker Carlson does. All right, let me take a break. Hopefully, we're going to be talking with my son, Derek, from TMZ. There's a lot of news. First and foremost, i got to find out about this strike and how it's affecting him and, uh, and other stuff to talk about. So being that it's my last show in the noon hour, you are hearing history in the making. I'll be right back. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Sometimes you got to be so careful what you do on the air. But I am. I'm, I'm pretty careful. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced, I really am, that you're going to see a big shakeup coming in everything, not just the fact that I'm moving to 3 o'clock. I mean, that's a pretty big shakeup to me. But um, I just see all the media companies um, reaching you know, beyond, they just don't know how to keep up with the fast, ever-changing pace. I mean, when, when Derek comes on in the next segment, I'm going to talk about, you know, the strike in Hollywood. But, you know, one of the things that they're really upset about is this whole AI. And now, if you listen to the Kamala Harris segment that was posted or, you know, has been posted numerous times by people, um, you know, AI, it's just two letters. No, it's not just two letters. And it's, you know, it, it is incredibly complicated for people like me to understand and just saying it's machine learning and whatever you put in it, that's what's going to come out. No, no, no. It's really much more complicated than that. The debates that we're having and need to have are what about if it becomes uh, way more powerful than we ever imagined? What if it actually um, could think independently of what's programmed into it? Now, I know that sounds, you know, extraordinary and nobody wants to think for a moment that that could happen, but of course, it could. You know, it could. We don't know. We don't understand. And we have to be prepared for everything, you know, because First and foremost, they're, 
there are so many areas in which we are constantly being fed information. I mean, 24-7 news. Think about that. You know, when I was growing up, probably when many of you were growing up, there wasn't 24-hour news. You got a newspaper in the morning. Very occasionally, some newspapers put out a second edition in the afternoon. But for the most part, you then waited until 6 o'clock that night when you would see a newscast. And you could pick, maybe you watched Huntley Brinkley, and this is my era, or you watch Walter Cronkite or, you know, whoever it was. Once a week, you would get a news program that did sort of long form. And that would be like 60 Minutes or 2020, something of that nature. Meet the Press came on once a week. And that was it. You know, that was it. So for the most part, a lot of things were going on that we did not know. And we certainly were not following. And I can tell you, without before there was a C-SPAN, most people had no idea what goes on on the floor of, of our House of Representatives of the Senate chambers. None of us. You know, you had to go there in person if you wanted to know or depend on reporters from the major publications, the New York Times, the uh, Daily News, in my case in New York or um, the New York Post. And then if you were down here, the Miami Herald or the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel, they would have reporters who would tell you if something big happened on the floor. Now, people sit around and monitor that stuff 24-7. You don't have to have a newspaper there. There's a reporter assigned to watch C-SPAN, and they're watching the debates that are taking place on the floor. And yesterday, there was a debate on the floor of the House, during which time a member of the Republican Party was making some kind of statement. He's from Arizona. I think he's from Arizona. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm... I, let me check. Yes, he is uh, Eli Crane from Arizona. And he referred to black people in the floor debate over a proposed amendment to a defense policy bill um, as colored people. And what he said was, my amendment has nothing to do whether or not colored people or black people or anybody can serve. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. And the uh, former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus went ballistic, ballistic. I mean, uh, and so did apparently later on the whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, Black Caucus weighed in on it. it. The former head is this uh, Representative Joyce Speedy, who's uh, from Ohio, Democrat from Ohio, and she wanted it stricken from the record. And it was, it was removed from, from the House record, but of course, they weren't done. They had to plaster it all over the media. And as you can well believe, it was uh, all anybody was talking about. Now, now, let me tell you something. I said this the other day, and I maintain this. When the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People changes its name, then I will understand that they now find that a slur. But since it has not done that, and since that's exactly what the NAACP initials stand for, give me a break, okay? Just give me a break. Can't have it both ways. People of color, how's that different than colored people? I don't know. I don't know. But it's a bunch of nonsense. And it's used to divide this nation. And I don't know what Eli Crane thinks or believes, and I don't care. But until the NAACP becomes the NAABP, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to consider it a racial slur just not you know all right 
let me take a break. When we come back, I'll be talking with my son, Derek at TMZ. It'll be his, uh, he'll be the final segment of the final noon show uh, before we move to 3 p.m. on on Friday. I'm, I'm, on Monday, rather. I'm, I'm kind of excited. It's all starting to gel for me, and I'm feeling pretty enthusiastic about this, and I hope you are too. But the weekend is upon us, so if you have to think about it and send me an email, just go ahead and do it, joyceradio at gmail.com. I'll take a break. I'll be right back. Hey, and welcome back, my poor son, who's uh, been away from the show for two weeks. And this is the final show in the noon hour, Derek. So you're the final person on the air on this noon hour. Well, I couldn't miss your grand send-off, even though I've been derelict the last few weeks. I apologize for that. I was sick, had a lot going on, but I'm back in full force. And the timing couldn't be better, right? We We got a double strike going on here in Hollywood. What is this? I mean, how does this, you know, how does it affect you? Because you're in Hollywood. You know, this is about actors, and we're not actors out there. We're journalists. So nothing will impact our shows or our business directly. But everything you like to watch on streaming and at the theaters is going to be impacted right away. Um, You know, there'll be a lag. There's things in production that will still come out. But you'll start to feel this. Now the writers and the actors are on strike together um, and a lot of people think this will put a lot of pressure on the studios but i'm not so sure uh you know they're gonna you know they are gonna sweat it out and it's gonna be a difficult long protracted negotiation there's a lot of things that take uh, ai be sort of a very big feature of this and how we're going to use actors going forward yeah well and how you're going to use writers because if ai can write the scripts what do you need writers for it's so true. And, and you know, SAG, you know, the, the face of this, though, is, is going to be the actors. You know, writers are always behind the scenes, and I think they're very, very happy to see the actors standing by them because that'll put a lot more pressure. People miss the faces, um, and they don't realize how much of the, the, the labor is actually done by writers behind the scenes. And a lot of people think, ah, just plug it into an AI machine and we'll get the same script. Uh, this is going to put a lot of pressure. So we'll see. Fran Drescher, though, is taking some heat. She's the president of the union. Remember her from the nanny? And she was uh, at an event in Italy taking pictures with Kim Kardashian, took a lot of heat for it at the 11th hour, should have been negotiating maybe. Um, People are saying the optics of that were terrible, and now here we are in a strike. Well, what was she doing there? Wasn't it like some fashion thing? Yeah, it was a Dolce & Gabbana event. You know, she's a a brand ambassador. She's saying, look, it was work. It was a work function. I had an obligation. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, it's true. You can do a lot of work over the phone. She's not really rolling up her sleeves with lawyers uh, necessarily. But the president of the union is negotiating these deals and, and communicating to her constituency. And people thought it was a bad look because there's a lot on the line. You know, there's famous actors who have billions of dollars, but a lot of people are just toiling away and trying to pay their rent. And uh, it's going to be a tough period for them. Yeah, and a lot of people are a little distressed, the fact that, uh, you know, this movie, The Sound of Freedom, really ended up being kind of a box office winner when, uh, you know, it's not your typical film again, the James Caviezel film. And the left is trying to bring this movie to its knees, and it doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, you know, Caviezel's an interesting guy because he was in The Passion of the Christ, so he, he definitely represents a different sort of political bent that, most of uh, the industry, and you're right. Uh, the facts are the facts. If the movie does well, it does well. Yeah, and it did do well. Um, let me ask you about this Costner divorce. I mean, this thing seems to be never-ending. Like, does she move out of the house yet or no? 
this is one of the nastiest we've seen in a long time. So, you know, there's a prenup between the two of them where she, by filing this, this divorce, Kevin says, she had to move out of the house and she's essentially squatting. The prenup is very clear on this point, according to him, and she should move out of the house. Well, now he's worried that she's going to move out by July 31st and that she's taking everything with her, you know, appliances, <laughs> pots and pans. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can take the clothes, the toiletries, the, the handbags, but you can't just grab everything unless we agree on what you're taking out of this house. So everything's very, very petty and nasty at this point. Uh, he's saying, like, she's, you know, buying new cars, knowing that she's going to get to keep a car in the divorce settlement. So this could get a lot nastier before it gets better. Yeah, and it just, you know, Yellowstone got snubbed again. It's not been a great uh, couple of weeks for Kevin Costner. Yeah, he's got a lot of money, but now, you know, there's a strike, so things will dry up, and then you're just uh, living on your savings. But he, he's got a lot of it, so don't, don't, don't lose any sleep over Kevin Costner. I won't. Well, I have to laugh. I saw our new soccer star here in Miami pushing his own cart in a Publix, and the cart was filled with your number one food item. Cereal. Cereal. You know me <laughs> as a kid. All I did was eat cereal. I would eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it looks like messy. You know, what's surprising is to see a guy of his caliber just pushing around in a, in a Publix yeah. uh, and roaming with the normies and picking up a lot of cereal because you think these athletes all eat so clean that they would never have cereal or carbs in their body. He needs them. You know, yeah. soccer is a sport where you need carbohydrates to run on that field for you know, 90 minutes. That's a lot of cardiovascular running. And that's how he eats. I got to tell the audience, you know, when Derek was uh, prepubescent, he uh, went on this total cereal. All he ate was cereal out of the box. And all he drank was water. He drank so much water that I thought he was going to drown. But uh, it it didn't seem to affect your brain. I I was a a man with sickle taste. Now I've caught up. I I eat everything now. I (laughs) I can't imagine just eating Cocoa Krispies, but there was a period uh, there in high school where that was all I wanted. All right. And finally, um, Jocelyn Hernandez. I mean, I didn't know who this woman was. Apparently she had a reality television show. But, boy, she was duking it out here in Sunrise with the police. Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty crazy story, you know, and, you know, we get a lot of this is not maybe someone famous to you, but we certainly see this on our end as someone uh, who's who's a, a bigger star than you may have realized. And I yeah, you can out with police. Wild. Yeah, yeah, it's totally wild. And of course, don't you wish you were Leonardo DiCaprio? My goodness, what a life. What a life. Yeah. He's linked again with two models that he's already been linked with. Maya Jamma, I believe that's her name, and she's she's my jam too. Uh, yeah. And Neelam Gill, who is, uh, these are just beauties. And one of them yeah. was wearing actually a Leo necklace. It was. She says it's just her Zodiac sign. I'm not so sure. It's not a little wink at the cameras. But look, this guy's linked to every model on earth, and he is single. Yeah. Uh, he's been linked with Gigi Hadid, but they've maintained that they're just friends. So... This is yeah. what Leo does. He prowls around, and it doesn't matter how old he gets. He's the Jack Nicholson of my generation. He is, but he sort of has gotten a dad body lately, and I don't mean that in a flattering way. Derek, always a pleasure. Will you be able to join us in the 3 o'clock hour starting next week? I hope so. Let's, let's yeah. talk. Amen. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. 
Well, and that's it, man. I'm signing off from this noon hour, and I must admit that uh, I'm excited, and I hope you are too. It doesn't really matter to people who listen online or listen on, you know, the, to the podcast. But to those of you who have depended on hearing my voice at 12 o'clock noon for so many years, I mean, I remember the day they first approached me and said, we need somebody who can go up against the biggest talent in the industry and not be afraid to take the 12 o'clock. Well, at that point, I was taking the 12 to 3 o'clock uh, spot when uh, it was dominated for decades by Rush Limbaugh. And I just saw it as a challenge, and I felt like a lot of people would listen to both. And, and that proved to be true. But now we're moving at over to 3 o'clock p.m. You'll be listening to Dan Bongino at noon starting on Monday and me right after Dan's show. What a great lead-in. I'm kind of excited about that. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back in front of this microphone at 3 o'clock on Monday. And I hope that you will join me then. And we'll be here if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And may God bless you. Have a safe weekend. And may God bless this here United States of America. You are the reason I do what I do. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. See you on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.